Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HR Works Podcast, brought to you by HR Daily Advisor. I'm your guest host, Josh Zygmunt, Content Director for Simplify Media. The HR Works Podcast provides clear, relevant, and actionable information on topics that matter to you, the HR professional. When you're armed with the best practices and strategies to attract, retain, and engage top talent and deliver exceptional service to your organization, HR just works. Hey listeners, we're releasing this latest episode of the HR Works podcast during the week of St. Patrick's Day, so it only felt appropriate to bring in Jessica Baker, Vice President of Digital Technologies for Enterprise Ireland, for a conversation. Enterprise Ireland is the Irish government's organization responsible for the development and growth of Irish enterprises throughout the global market. Jessica has plenty to share about the challenges organizations and their human resources teams face when they decide to enter into the global marketplace and share some of the unique benefits that Irish-based technology companies are bringing to the global talent and recruiting space. Let's check out the episode. Jessica, welcome to the HR Works Podcast. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. All right. Well, we're excited to have you. So Jessica, before we get started, I'd love to learn more about you and how you got your start with Enterprise Ireland and became the Vice President of Digital Technologies. Yeah, so started my career um, while I was in college working for a media startup. Did a lot of various things. As anyone in the startup world knows, you wear about a million hats. Transitioned from that to doing uh, business development and marketing for an IT company here in Austin once I graduated from college. And then out of the blue, kind of got linked up with Enterprise Ireland. And as someone who worked in startups and didn't really have a lot of the resources to always do what we wanted. The idea of working for a global VC and being able to help Irish startups come to the U.S. sounded pretty amazing. Um, And it has been absolutely for the last two years. That's great. And we had mentioned off air that you were actually one of the first or the first employee for one of your your ventures that you were a part of that must have had its own set of experiences and really seeing company growth from the ground floor must have taught you a lot, not just even in human resources, but just in business development. Absolutely. Yeah. Sitting um, at the desk next to the CEO of a company that grew from three people to 45 in two years was pretty amazing. And it's pretty great to see and you learn a ton. Okay. Well, that's great. And again, for our HR audience that listens to the HR Works podcast, I think it'd really be great. And we can definitely dig into just ways that companies can grow and develop and build their workforce up, especially at a time like we're in now where we're still a part of the great resignation and looking at how to grow, develop and hire and expand workforces. Uh, Your insight here is going to be great on that. But before we even dig in there, I'd love to learn more about Enterprise Ireland and share that with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. So we are the VC trade and innovation arm of the Irish government. So back in Dublin, our investment team makes investments in Irish startups. We are the largest VC by deal flow globally. And um, once those companies are ready to leave the island of Ireland and come to the United States, that's where my team comes in. We actually have 40 global offices. So even if they don't want to come to the States, if they want to go to Asia or Australia or the European market, we have offices all over the globe to help them connect to U.S. businesses, to help their market strategy help with their marketing, um, and even help them just get set up as an entity here in the States. So we provide a lot of different supports once they get here. So that's kind of our role. Wow, that's really interesting. So from a human resources perspective, what are some of the biggest challenges facing international organizations that are looking to enter new markets such as the United States or for U.S. organizations looking to enter into global markets? 
Yeah. So I think some of the biggest mistakes that I see are companies moving too quickly, not understanding the culture of the area that they're moving into and not even having their own internal culture built up enough to find what matches theirs. Um, Having a solid internal communication system like Enterprise Island Client Work Vivo, um, to be able to build up that internal culture is really important. Every market is different. Obviously, even our Irish clients that come to the United States, we talk to them a lot about the differences in culture and how to attack business meetings in different ways, or even just hiring and how employees expect to be treated or what they expect from their employers. That stuff is all different. So understanding the culture and having your own internal culture built up really well is something that I think is important and a mistake to avoid. And then also utilizing the same way of posting jobs that they do in their home country. There are so many different regionally popular job boards that are out there. For example, in Ireland, Jobio is really big. They're no longer just in Ireland, but they're currently doing amazing work here in the US in the media industry. They're a job board that I wouldn't have used in the United States, but if I was living in Ireland and wanted to work for a US company, if they were posting on that, I would see that. So I think those are some of the biggest things. So I'm glad you mentioned both hiring, looking global, and also the differences in the global market. And so much of our conversation on the HR Works podcast revolves around the great resignation and the impact in the North American market. What impact have you seen on businesses in the global market, specifically in Ireland even? Yeah, so from conversations with executives that we have pretty much on a daily basis, I think we're all seeing relatively the same things. I don't think there's anything majorly different happening outside of North America corporations and organizations all over the globe are having the same issues. About once a quarter, we pull in HR leaders and our Enterprise Ireland clients for roundtable panel discussions. And you'll hear someone from the United States say an issue that they're having. And someone from Ireland will say, oh my gosh, we're having the same issue. What have you guys done to fix it? So I think the last two years have really put us all in the same boat. And we're all kind of just trying to figure out what that looks like going forward. From an Irish perspective, I think there are some things to be said about the massive creation of jobs that have happened. Um, So Enterprise Ireland supported companies have created 20,000 new jobs in the last year. So I think that creation of jobs throughout COVID, because we've seen that here in the U.S. as well, has also contributed to that just a bit. That's great insight. So beyond the obvious advantage of increasing talent pool size and increasing market size, What benefits are employers seeing by investing in Irish talent tech companies? Yeah, so I think one of the major advantages is that Irish companies have a particular strength regarding GDPR, privacy, and online regulations. They've been working around that for much longer than the U.S. has even been thinking about it. So when it comes to privacy regulations and security, they're much farther ahead than a lot of U.S. HR talent tech. I would also say there's some of the most hardworking and innovative founders, employees that I've ever met, and they have some of the most skilled talent pool. Ireland has amazing universities with amazing programs for startups that have spun out so many different EI clients, especially in the talent tech world. And I think those are some some pretty big advantages to working with Irish talent tech. Okay, that's great to know. So you had mentioned earlier just that there's more of a shared impact of the Great Resignation So in that same mindset, let's look at this one more just at a global level. What have been some of the most surprising factors driving employees to leaving their existing roles from your perspective? And are there any factors proven to be unique to the tech market? Yeah, so I don't know if this is necessarily surprising. I think we've all talked about it, but I think what's been a shock to me is just how much employee priorities are shifting. Not even four years ago, all it was was like cool offices 
but employees are expecting so much more out of their employers now. Um, even when I entered the job market after college, it was, okay, I need a job that I'm going to take what I can get, stuff like that. And it's not even now, not just Gen Z entering the market and wanting changes. It's everyone. COVID has really put us into this mindset of, okay, I want my life and my work to look exactly how I want it to. And because of the great resignation or the great migration or whatever you want to call it, that's possible. So I think that employee priority shifting is the biggest surprise. And then kind of just looking at the tech industry, and I don't know if this is unique to tech because I've seen it happen in other industries, um, but was reading an article the other day that was talking about this interesting shift in the creative class moving towards the gig economy and more individuals choosing the project or freelance lifestyle over just having one employer. This has been a pretty standard practice in media, but we're starting to see it play out more into the tech world as well. I was chatting with an HR leader at a scaling agency here in Austin, and she was talking about how a fairly significant number of their employees are on a project basis and even living in other countries. So I think the mindset of the gig economy being in one industry is changing and bleeding over into the tech world, which is definitely something to be on the lookout for. That's really interesting. You bring up a great point with the shift to a gig economy, I think presents the challenge or the decision to either invest in upskilling your current employee base or looking to that gig economy to fill that expertise gap in a new and innovative way. I think it's really interesting to see the two paths companies and organizations are taking as they try to build teams. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. So speaking of the great resignation, and this is the million dollar question that I think everyone wishes <laughs> they knew the answer to, do you see the great resignation leveling off anytime soon? I think that's conditional. I think there are going to be companies that see it level off and there are going to be companies that don't. In order for it to level off, I think as a whole, we really need to look at our work culture and us all be on the same page about that. And the companies that are going to see it level off are the ones that take a good hard look at their environment and really listen to what's important to their employees. Like I talked about before, it's not just ping pong tables and coffee shops. Don't get me wrong. A fully stocked coffee bar would bring me into the office uh, more days than not, but that's not really the most important thing anymore. And um, when I chat with people who have recently shifted roles or are hiring people who are shifting roles, the people that they're hiring and that are moving want companies that care about them as humans, want them to care about the world that we live in and realize that most people don't want to live just to work. They want to work to be able to live their lives. And there needs to be an understanding and a value placed on that. I think the idea of work-life balance was good for a while, but I heard during COVID again is that work-life blend. Our personal lives and our work lives are going to ebb and flow. For instance, we've got South by Southwest and St. Patrick's Day coming up. So my life is a lot more work these next couple of weeks, but then there will be weeks when my personal life needs to take more of a front row seat. Um, and having a company and a culture that understands that is really important. So even utilizing companies like WorkHuman with their various solutions and social recognition, community celebration, to make your employees feel at home and understood and appreciated is going to be important. And I think another aspect to companies that are going to see this not affect them as much anymore is utilizing analytics to understand what their people want, what their people are doing. Worky is doing a great job of this and building in analytics to understand what's making employees happy, what isn't, how to keep top performers, how to connect things back to KPIs and employee growth. And these are all things that are going to play into companies keeping their employees and employees being happy and wanting to be at work and enjoying being at work. So 
that was a very long-winded way to answer that question, but I think it's conditional. I think the companies that understand their employees and what they want will see it level off. But otherwise, you're probably not going to make much headway there. That was a great response. And it answered my follow-up question was, what would it take to get there? You answered that perfectly. And I love that you touched on work blend as opposed to just work-life balance. My initial thought was, yeah, work-life balance has now moved from being kind of the kitschy phrase that everyone yeah. talked about, but never really lived and executed to now that is the priority. However you look at it, a balance or a blend, that has absolutely become a massive factor from what we've seen just looking at the market in what so many employees are looking for in their careers going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Taking precedence even over factors such as, like you said, ping pong tables and coffee in the work break area. Even unlimited PTO, I've seen companies offering that. And I have friends that are like, oh, that just means they want me to be in the office until 10 p.m. and then I can take a couple of days off. That kind of stuff is is coming more into the conversation now. Sure. And I, I am curious if that just is a mindset shift too, to know that, okay, I don't have X amount of time that I have to spend, that you're a little more free to take the time as needed. Um, it will be interesting to see how that plays out in the employee market over time, right? These are things that so many organizations are trying now to see what sticks. And it will be really interesting over the next, let's call it five to 10 years to see what really made a difference versus what was just kind of the flavor of the month. Yeah. And even like having that time off, but encouraging people to take it, making sure that your leadership is saying, okay, hey, I'm taking a week off. I'm not going to answer any emails. Our CEO did that when he came into the office and his first vacation, he was like, I'm not answering any emails. If you need something, here's the point of contact. And I really appreciated that. I thought that was amazing. It's that leadership from the top down of like, okay, this is your personal time. We want you to take it and recharge, reset, because we're of no use to anyone else when we're completely just burned out. Right. I mean, that's setting the example. It's the, the opposite side of that would be the leader who takes time off and then is still answering and responding to emails throughout their entire vacation. Yes. Uh, I'm using quotes <laughs> around that vacation. But yeah, that's so smart that you can, as a leader, set that example. I also think it's, as you mentioned, too, encouraging your team to take that time off when you have something like unlimited PTO as a benefit for your workforce. Recognizing, hey, we've got a three-month stretch without a holiday built in take some time, make sure you're getting some of your own balance as needed. That's certainly something that we're seeing more leaders employ, but as unlimited PTO becomes more common with a lot of benefit packages and that work-life blend becomes more important, that's such a great way to execute. Absolutely. So as the move to a more digitized and remote workplace has empowered many employers to consider a global talent pool, what do you recommend as first steps for an organization maybe looking to globalize their recruiting efforts? Yeah, so I think other than the obvious of deciding the best location for you, it's deciding if you want to set up a global entity or if you want to utilize an employer of record. So we have a company that's doing this, and I'd never even thought about this as a possibility until I was talking to them, but they're active in 19 countries, and they are the employer. So they take care of all the legal, all the compliance, all the benefits issues. And every country has different regulations, different benefit programs, different standards when it comes to all of this stuff, and navigating that can be really difficult. And if you're not up to par with the companies that are already established in that country, you're putting yourself out of the running. But there's also another advantage to this in that you don't necessarily have to pick one one global location. If you find someone who is amazing at one job in France, you can hire them and utilize an employer of record. And then if you find another person in another role that's in the UK, you can hire them there. So I think that's really the biggest thing to look at as you're starting this globalization effort is if you don't want to open a big headquartered office in one area, utilizing that employer of record. And so 
just to plug them, that company is boundless and they're doing amazing things. But I think that's really the biggest thing to look at. Interesting. Are you finding any challenges with Irish enterprises that are moving into global markets? Any hurdles that you're seeing out of the gate? And then what are the solves to that? I don't know that it's major challenges. Um, We all have different communication styles. I read a book and I can't remember what the name of it now is. Um, Oh, the culture map. When I first started working for Enterprise Ireland and it gives you like a great overview of all of the different cultures and how they communicate and what you need to look for as you enter different cultures. And I think that's just something that's really important, but I don't know that outside of entering like the Asian market, which obviously their business culture is very different. Um, a lot more formal. I think coming into the U.S., it's very similar. There's just a couple like small communication things. Great response. I mean, I think we're seeing that more than even just in the workplace. If there was ever an easier time to navigate a global market, now is that time to do so and do so pretty easily without having to clear many of those hurdles that may have been challenges in the past. A hundred percent. Even the travel hurdles, like people are so much more willing to do business over a Zoom call than they were two years ago. And all it is, is finding the right time in the different time zones. Absolutely. Well said. So what do you see as the future of the workplace? We've seen so much change. What do you see as the employer-employee relationship going forward? I think it can all kind of be summed up in flexibility. So in terms of physical work location, how and when people get their work done, and then life flexibility, like we talked about, figuring out what employees work better from home, what employees work better from the office, what teams absolutely need to be together to collaborate and what teams are really good at collaborating via Zoom calls, finding a right solution for your shift workers. I was talking to an HR leader who had experience in the manufacturing industry, and she was talking about how this has shifted from they used to just be given their schedules and no one could shift, no one could trade. There wasn't really a process built in for that. But companies like Capella are making hybrid working platforms and work from home platforms that allow you to trade shifts and book hot desks and be in the office when and where you need to. And so I think that flexibility is going to be the biggest thing of just who works best where, who needs to be at home because their kids are at home, and just being open and understanding with everyone and how and when they get their work done. Yeah, it is that shift from the nine to five or the nine to six model Absolutely. and moving more to being performance-based. And are you accomplishing your goals day in, day out, and not necessarily between the eight-hour workday, but are you finishing your tasks that are set out for your employees? Yeah, I mean, I think that boils down to trust. Is trusting the employees that you've hired and knowing that if someone works really well from like 6 a.m. to 3 and then they go pick up their kid, cool. If someone is not a morning person and works from like 10 to 7 and they're happy, awesome. There should be no issues with that. Right. Is the work getting done? Is the task being completed? Yep. That's great. Uh, So Jessica, tell me, as we've all learned so much about ourselves professionally in the last two years, what have you learned since the start of the pandemic about yourself that's made you a better leader and a better professional overall? I think just being more open. Coming from the startup world, you're working nonstop. Um, Then I moved into a pretty corporate, pretty structured role. The role that I'm in now is is less structured, um, but just being open to what everyone needs, what everyone is working towards, understanding your own priorities and everyone else's. 
from an HR perspective, I was talking with someone the other day and we were talking about, okay, how can we be better leaders? How can we hire better? How can we make better decisions? And it came back down to that. So being open, taking a look at requirements you have for jobs. And if you really need all of the requirements, do you really need to hire someone from an Ivy League? Do you really need someone to have a degree at all? Being open in who you're talking to, being open in what the role looks like and being open with your colleagues and your coworkers and your employees. If someone's performing in a certain aspect of the job that they want to continue to grow in or maybe shift into a different role, be open to that. I think that's been the biggest thing that I've learned out of this is that the world is shifting, humans are shifting, everyone is changing always. And so just be open to that change and where it can lead. That's a great answer. I love that one. And that one's a new response that we've gotten really smart and well said. So uh, Jessica, thank you for that one. Okay. So you just provided what you've learned since the pandemic, but do you have any advice as vice president of digital technologies for Enterprise Ireland that you've leaned on that was given to you starting out that you think would be useful to share to our audience of human resources professionals? I think, so the biggest piece of advice I ever got was if you're the smartest person in the room, find a different room. And I have lived by that the enti- my entire career. If I feel like there's nothing left for me to learn or I'm not being challenged, leave. And don't be afraid to leave. Don't be afraid to make that change. Don't be afraid to not know something because that's how we grow and that's how we become better people. So that's my piece of advice. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's great advice. Thank you, Jessica. So again, we're here with Jessica Baker, Vice President of Digital Technologies for Enterprise Ireland. Jessica, do you have anything you'd like to plug that you have going on with Enterprise Ireland that you're excited about and want to share with our audience? Absolutely. So we have South by Southwest here in Austin. And on March 15th at 5pm at Parlor and Yard on West 6, we'll be hosting an Irish night at South by Southwest. So we will have 10 of our Irish companies in attendance, um, US executives from all over the globe that are traveling in for South by Southwest. Um, We'll have outdoor games. We'll be raising a glass to South by finally being back in person and being able to get together and connect and build some hopefully really long lasting business connections between Ireland and the US. Perfect. And we are releasing this episode on March 15th. So if, you, if you're if you listening to this now and it's March 15th and you're in Austin, Texas, get out, be a part of the great event that Enterprise Ireland is putting on. But Jessica, for anybody who's listening after the fact or may not be in the Austin area, where can they go to learn more about Enterprise Ireland? Go to irishadvantage.us and you can learn all about our companies that are active here in the United States. You can find me on LinkedIn and always reach out to me. I'm always happy to talk to people. And you can also Google Enterprise Ireland and it'll get you to all the right places. Okay, so nice and easy to find. And Jessica, we'll put your LinkedIn information on the post page for HR Works through HR Daily Advisor. So we'll make sure that's accessible to our audience. So Jessica, one last thing before we sign off today. You wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor. What is the one thing that gets you motivated to start your day? Outside of my cat Dobby needing to be fed. Um, (laughs) Just the fact that I get to work with amazing companies every day and help make a difference in the world. We've got client companies that are working on massive sustainability efforts. We've got companies that are making a difference in the HR world and making a difference for employers and employees. And the fact that I get to help these startups continue to grow and thrive is all that I could ever ask for every day. Perfect way to go out. Jessica, thank you very much for being on the HR Works podcast, and we'll be sure to have you back soon. Yeah, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the HR Works Podcast. Be sure to check out our new episodes every Tuesday. Follow us on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, and Amazon Audible.